Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions podcast, the good old podcast from GoPowerCat.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald. Zach Carlson and Ryan Gilbert, your usual trio, are alongside here. Guys, we're getting close to you being able to be in here. We're just getting close. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Well, I feel it. Zach, you soon will be sitting across from me instead of in your basement. Yay. Your basement now. <laughs> Where am I going to be sitting? Well, I don't trust you. Okay. I, I, I'll, stay. I'll stay here. See, eventually I'll be vaccinated. Zach has had it, and you, I mean, you might have He's, airborne herpes. I don't know, dude. You just, I don't know what you're up to these days. You're just here in the college town enjoying your life. That's fair. Although, we will have a beer as soon as I'm good to go. This is the part. Where are we going to have the beer at? Uh, probably at Tanner's. Wow. Or the high-low, because they get their alcohol from the fridge. Thank you, Gills. Thank you. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, grasshopper, you learn fast. We are sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure you stop into The Fridge whenever you're in Manhattan. And our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. They also shop at The Fridge. This is going to be an interesting one. I don't know if it'll be exceedingly long, exceedingly short. It's going to be exceedingly something. Because honestly, I might have a lot to say right now, or I'm just beyond putting my thoughts into into something clear. I don't know what to say. K-State loses 76 to 50 to Oklahoma. And and it was competitive up until what? The last three minutes of the first half K-State was ahead and then gave up 13 straight points and it was never close again. Uh, It was a 15 to two run by halftime. And then it turned into something much worse as the second half opened. This team has devolved into uh being the worst K-State team possibly in the history of Kansas State basketball with apologies to anyone who might be able to argue they saw something worse because uh, you saw teams before World War II. And, and honestly, there's been nothing with which we can compare at this point these back-to-back seasons. Nothing. Um, and I know there are reasons. I know that a lot of the problems have been magnified by the COVID situation and the lack of practice. And and I appreciate all that. I don't see them as Bruce Weber excuses. That is the real world. I'm dealing with my own crap from this ongoing pandemic. So I get why it's going on, but the program is in a situ a greater situation than just things set off by the pandemic. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, the, the drop in talent, the rebuild, all of that. And there was a time when I didn't appreciate a rebuild that I thought if you take over a program that has good 
legs to it, good enough to win a Big 12 title, you really shouldn't have to go through a rebuild. You should pick up the momentum and go on. And I was pretty clear about it. If you burn down my house, you better build it back damn quick. And that didn't happen the first time. It got built back, yeah. I, but I, I thought it took too long. So excuse me as the guy who called for Bruce Weber's firing that I don't want to hear your I just don't want to hear it. Because over the last, what, four years, three plus years, I've taken a lot of from people who just want to score points against Fitz on social media or maybe cancel their subscription because I wanted better for Kansas State basketball. And now I see some of those people out there parading around like, I never liked Bruce. I didn't want him here. Give me a break. So I'm going to play by your rules. I'm going to appreciate Bruce for being an extremely nice guy, which he is. And I'm going to know that it could be better. But golly, every program goes through this, right? Right? Now that you're realizing that, no, every program doesn't go through this, you're not going to find an ally on me. So quit tweeting at me and asking me to ask tough questions. What frigging good would it do? What, I'm going to ask some tough questions and Bruce is going to resign or Gene's going to go, Gene Taylor, the AD, is going to go, oh, my, Fitz is right. I better fire him. What? What's the purpose of it other than the coddle your swinging feelings that have now swung towards Bruce has got to go after four years of Fitz was an asshole for saying he should go? Big Daddy Bruce left town, apparently. All of you who hated the hiring, who loved the hiring after he won a title or two, who now are saying this is intolerable. Oh, okay. I wonder why we're here, why we've arrived at this point. And for some people that don't understand that, I do think these young players are promising. Saying so doesn't mean I support what's going on in the program. Saying so means I'm trying to find some hope amidst the crap. And that's kind of been the theme for this year. Sports or not sports. For the past 10 months, let's find something good. I like these players. Are they enough? No. Will they be Big 12 upper division next season? I don't see that. So there's another year of rebuild. But I'm going to put my faith in the players. They chose K-State, and hopefully if Bruce stays, he can get them going quickly. And if Bruce doesn't stay, the new coach can keep them and get them going quickly. I don't support coaches, and I really don't support players. I support the program. So when I say I think it's best that they hire someone different, I'm not saying anything other than I want better for Kansas State Football, basketball, volleyball, tennis, cross country, whatever sport I would be saying that in. I just want more. But I've been told the last four years this is good enough. This is all, this, this really, there's no history here, which is a lie. I'll say this even if you don't recognize the really rich history, there's no history of this post World War II. There's no history of what's going on. Right now, this is not comparable to anything I've ever seen. And we've got some Bruce Weber questions that we're going to handle in the second half of this podcast. 
and I'll probably have a lot more to say in the second half of this podcast. But now we're just going to take some general team questions because that's you know, really what this is about. It's about the team. And I still put my hope that Nigel Pack, who's out, I mean, non-pandemic season, he probably doesn't have COVID-19, doesn't have a three-week illness or two-week illness or whatever it's going to work out to be. He's playing and they'll probably be better. Guys like Davion Bradford, who I think is going to be very good, will have more time in practice to learn defense and all those things. But I still see the upside to a number of guys in this program. And as it was pointed out on Twitter, Luke Kasupki has hit every three-pointer he's ever shot as a K-State Wildcat. <laughs> Hope. I'm just going to put my feelings there for now. And please don't tweet at me that I should be asking tougher questions. Not me of all people. I'm, I'm dead serious. That just, it's, it's so absurd. It's laughable. Not speaking of laughable, here's Gilt. He's going to read questions. Are you reading okay. questions? Well, I'll read them. Oh, Zach's oh. going to read them. Oh, I'll read them. I, I know what's going on with basketball. I don't know who's running this podcast, but here we go. <laughs> it's the Power Cat Questions podcast. Here's Zach. From CFID, given the last couple results and injuries slash quarantine that have decimated the roster, has this team quit on this season? Absolutely not. But you look at what happened in Texas. I mean, they closed 13 points in the last 17 minutes of the game. You don't quit and do that. And now, last night I couldn't see the game. I, I found a way to watch the Longhorn Network. There's a whole different rant about these Tier 3 rides. But uh, now that the new owners of the Fox regional networks don't think streaming should pay a reasonable price. And it's basically off all streaming services. That game being on Fox sports, Kansas city or whatever your Fox sports is. Um, I'm sorry. I couldn't see it. So I didn't really get to see him play, but I don't get the sense they're quitting. I get the sense that they're mentally and, and physically fatigued. This would suck to go through. Uh, they're just not prepared to be Big 12 competitive, period. It's just And on top of that, folks, Oklahoma, I, I think, is the eighth best team in the conference. Seventh? Seventh best team because they're better than TCU. Oh, they're good, man. They're doing, they did that last night without Brady Manick playing any serious minutes. I mean, He's been out with COVID, and poor guy already looks like his whole life he's had COVID. <laughs> I mean, well, no, nothing can explain the hair. Although COVID does affect your hair. Uh, go look at Frank Martin. Shaka has grown hair to fight off COVID. It's like a his, his hair catches the COVID and defends him against it, I guess. I don't know. But Brady Manick hardly played, and they still kicked K-State's ass. And they kicked K-State's ass with some players who have been on the roster, who haven't been contributors, but now have been coached up and suddenly are contributors. Hmm. Interesting. So, no, they haven't given up. The kids haven't given up. Um, Mike McGurl might be having a mental breakdown. <laughs> Poor guy. I feel, I feel bad for Mike. I have. We'll get, to, we'll get to Mike. Oh, so, no. Gills, I assume you don't think they've quit either. No, and I'm more of the optimist, you know, than anyone looking at the basketball team. But Eze was asked last night in the press conference if, you know, anyone had checked out on the team and, you know, absolutely not. 
Um, if anyone is, you know, deemed to be that they checked out, they'll check on them is what he said. So, uh, you know, these guys still care. I mean, it's like you said, Oklahoma's a good team and the big 12 is just that rough. Um, but what you were saying earlier at the beginning fits, I, I, there's light at the end of the tunnel with these players and we can argue Bruce and all this and that all we want, but Bruce is here and the players are here. I would say that last year was far worse than this season. There was, uh, you know, I, I think Bruce still has control of this locker room. He's dealing with a lot of injuries last year. There were not really many injuries and he just didn't have control of that team. So, you know, there's not much to say after a 26 point loss, but like you said, Fitz, they were up by five late in the first half. Like most people, I don't think watch this game. So you look at the final score and say, eh, lost by 26, another one of those games, but easy. looked good in his return. Um, you know, Kazuki was hitting threes, like you said. So, I'm still optimistic about this team given the situation that they're in. I'm not saying it's okay or a good thing or a bad thing that they're in the situation. Personally, I'm okay with it and I'm looking forward to, to what they can continue to do. I agree. I agree. Zach, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that I guess once these players come back and I know that the big 12 schedule is tedious, it's tough, but I think that these last 10 games or so of this season that we're going to see are going to be really telling to see how this team comes back together from all of these injuries, quarantines, COVID related illnesses, you know, holdouts, you know, whatever. Let's see now that Luke Kazubki is playing Casey is easy. playing. Once these guys get back, let's see how all of these pieces finally fit together you know, we talk about all the time, Shane Southwell saying, you know, once you play eight games, you're not a freshman anymore. These aren't really freshmen anymore. Let's see how they've grown. Let's see how they come together. I still think that there's some wins on the table for this team. Just the the nature that COVID is, you never know. You know, I, I, I get this feeling that K-State's somehow going to win one of these games against KU or Texas Tech, Baylor. One of these top teams, I think they're going to be able to get a fluke win out of. I don't think that they're going to go winless, but like you've said, these players are what gives the fan base hope at this point. And I think that these next stretch of games, let's see how they play. They may not win many games. They might win one game. Who knows how many games they're going to win. But I think that not losing by 26 to Oklahoma, you know, those types of results. Let's see if they can eliminate those. If they can go and play, you know, go toe to toe with KU, Texas tech Baylor, if they lose by 10, 15 points, is that an improvement? I think so. So I think you don't want to take moral victories, but in a year like this and with a young team like this, you have to take any positive you can get. And I think that being able to quantify the results or, you know, see what the quality of the result is. Yes, it may be a loss, but if they look good and they played well together and they just didn't have enough gas in the tank, that's going to be better than the, the performance that we saw against Oklahoma on Tuesday. I, I've come to this conclusion <clears throat> that fans feel disconnected from this team because they're not getting to see them in person. They can't drive over and catch a game. And, and so it, it becomes a little more distant. You don't really have a an emotional feeling about a Nigel Pack or 
you know, Davion Bradford or even a Mike McGurl because they're just people on TV. And while, yes, they're K-State and you cheer for them and it's just not quite the same. You don't get to see their body language on the sideline. You don't get to see their interactions in the huddle. All of that from everything I have been able to see via TV is so much better than the crap I witnessed last year. Where guys clearly weren't listening to their coach and one guy was clearly trying to disrupt other people who were attempting to lead. So I see that while the results are worse and they will be worse and the team isn't as good as it was last year, as Jay Heidrich pointed out on the Insiders podcast, we talk about last year being a rebuild, but there were a lot of upperclassmen. They left or they graduated, but there were upperclassmen. And there was three freshmen on that team. And so we kind of think of them as being young, but they really weren't. They just didn't have enough guys. Again, they don't have enough playmakers. They don't have enough guys that can go get a bucket, as Bruce said last night, because he hasn't recruited those people. And the last one he really kind of recruited that seemed to have the credentials to do that was Xavier Sneed before this class. Maybe Dejuan Gordon came advertised as that, but I think we've learned that his game doesn't necessarily translate. He's finding his game now, but uh, you can't just shut down recruiting for three-plus years and then complain you don't have any recruits, you don't have any players, because that's what happened. And I, I don't accept, well, they couldn't get recruits because they playing time. They just, guys wouldn't get playing time. Well, explain that to Scott Drew at Baylor, who has, who has guys redshirting, coming off redshirts that are Big 12 level. I mean, one of the best players on Kansas redshirted last year. Oh, granted, I know that's a different rule set that they, they play by. But um, you can get players. You can get players. Baylor is loaded with players, all kind of similar players in many ways. So it's not like players immediately turn away from competition. No, there's, that's not true. So, yeah, I'm going to put my hope in these players. They need more players. They They clearly need a... An alpha, go-getter, scorer, every team needs it. You can argue KU's suffering by not having it. They have, a, they have better scores, but they don't have the guy. Got to have the guy. You just do. One more thing I wanted to add in on, on the game. They only shot 15 threes, and that's not a, a crazy low number, but compared to games past in Big 12 play when they're chucking up 33s a game, that's a good number. They were getting inside. They were you know working the ball around. Um, at least in the first half, I noticed that they were looking good on offense. They weren't just chucking up threes. They're at least trying, you know, Bruce is trying to give them some sets, some looks. He's trying to give Kazuki the ball. Uh, I just want to point that out there. Well, I also want to point out they only had two of those 15. <clears throat> so it's an ongoing issue. It's not just about yeah. what threes they take or how many they take. They just got guys taking them that shouldn't be taking them. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. Dejuan Gordon took an early shot clock three in the first half. Why? Why is that even tolerated at this point? Mike McGurl hit an early one, and Luke Kazupki hit his one he took in the second half. Those are the two threes, and everything else was clanked. Why? Okay, it's the only shot you got at the end of a shot clock. I get it. Why are you taking anything with more than 10 seconds from behind the arc, unless you're just wide open, wide open. And if you're that wide open, you probably have a lane to the basket. 
It's not the game isn't about shooting three pointers. It's about making three pointers. And if you're not capable of that in practice, why in the hell would you be able, be capable of that in the game? Bruce, you got to tighten down on this. Make them do what they do best and put them in positions to do that. Next time Dejuan takes a three early in the shot clock, take him out. I don't care if he's rebounding and defending like crazy. He's got to edit his game. It's got to tighten up. There's no room for error. So why are you approving error, allowing error? They keep making the same damn mistakes. Gills is right. They try to get to the rim. They try to finish at the rim. They try to do some things differently. What do they shoot? Four free throws in the game? I mean, it was absurdly low. And at some point, you can't just blame the refs. Again, I couldn't see the game, so I don't know if it was officiating. One, Oklahoma doesn't foul. They don't play very good defense, which I think is so weird that Lon Kruger's become that coach. But they they kind of take the philosophy that, I don't want to say that's what Brad Underwood's doing at Illinois because it's not quite that dramatic, but to stop defending to the point where you're forcing officials to call fouls and you give the other team free throws. The analytics clearly showed they were coming out on the bad end of that. They were losing games because their aggressive defense was leading to free points. So Oklahoma gives up a a bunny once in a while, but they grab the ball out of the net and they run up the court and they go and nobody got a foul. Nobody's the end of the game. You're not shooting free throws. So, um, but you got to take it to the rim and you got to draw fouls. You got to make contact. You got to do these things. I don't know. I, they just don't seem to know who they are and what they're supposed to do. And again, that, that comes back to, that has to, that has to be taught firmly like training a dog. When they do something you don't want them to do, you have to correct them or they're going to continue to do it. If you only correct them every third time. From Ohio Powercat, I watched part of the game last night. It seems like Mike McGurl is trying way too hard and is actually hurting the team. Do you agree? Bruce does too. I mean, again, uh, I I find of all the things that I find most troubling probably is the fact that Bruce said after the game, we've been telling him this for two or three weeks, and yet he still does it. He's your senior, the one guy who should most be listening to you. And yet he still does it. Um, that's kind of concerning, Gills, don't you think? I mean, your senior's like, I know you want me to do less and to not do this, but I, I, I know better than you. It, that's alarm bells. I feel badly for Mike. He's in a horrible situation. And I see why he's trying too hard. But it should have been made clear to Mike McGurl. Mike, you're not a shot creator. You're not, you don't put the ball on the floor and make magic happen. You can do it once in a while. And I saw you hit a deep three the other game, like three games ago. But that's the only one I've ever seen you make. Quit taking those. But there's never any consequences. They're just words. Yeah, Mike's in a very you know tough spot trying to be that leader because he's naturally a role player. He shouldn't be a leader on any team. That's It's not who he is. Um, it, it, I guess it's a good thing to have when you're trying too hard instead of not trying at all, I guess. But yeah, he's definitely pushing too much and he's trying, I think he's, he's taking it too. He's putting too much on on himself. He's got to just let the game come to him. Um, But without Nigel pack out there, man, that's gotta be tough. He's trying to get guys open 
he wants to hit that shot, but it's just, he's got to realize that, you know, you, you can't do everything on your own. You know, Casey Eziegu after the game in his press conference was, was saying stuff like that as well. Just, you know, let the game come to you. Don't force stuff. Good things will happen. From LSI Cat, welcome to the podcast. Who is or are the gym rat or rats on this team that are always in the gym working on their craft? I think Mike McGurl's been that. But again, this goes back to the end of the Snyder era in football. And coach became so good at finding the hidden gems that develop into something special. But then he began to believe in his own magic and thought he could take anyone and turn them into something special if they worked hard enough. You know, you know if you don't have the overall skill set, not skill set, but you know, the, just the natural ability to be a great shooter, you're not quick enough, you can't jump high enough, <clears throat> practice ain't going to help. I think Nigel Pack will be that. And again, I appreciate the question, but we're more distant from this team than ever because we only see them Zoom and we don't see like the end of practice and can say, hey, Bruce, I see so-and-so still out there shooting. So um, I think there's elements of that in this freshman class. And and I wish that, um, and I think Dejuan has been that. I mean, they talk about him working on his three-pointer which is good is that's the time to shoot them is in practice. You probably do a lot of things in practice that you don't necessarily do in a game. I just hope that they can develop their own culture, their own leadership, their own, and come back to it again, alpha mentality. When Bruce Weber teams win championships, they have the guy that is exactly what you're asking for. Rodney Magruder, the best team on your player, is out shooting ball, shooting the ball over and over and over again. Why are you going home to play video games? You go out and shoot with him until you get tired because he's still shooting. He's still dribbling. He's still working on things. Barry Brown became that. And it wasn't just words. He wanted to work on defense. He wanted to work on all of those things. Barry Brown wasn't a great ball handler when he was young, and he became a much better one. Not a, he was never a great ball handler, but he worked on it a lot and got better at it. I see guys on this team, starters, who can't dribble the ball with both hands, who lose the ball in traffic repeatedly, or if they're in the open court, the ball doesn't go with them. Like they lose their dribble and it's still back there. How is that happening? You should be in the gym, not shooting three-pointers all day, Doing the things that you're going to need to do in games. Dribble, 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 pass, 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 pass. Shoot free throws, shoot free throws. And then go shoot your three-pointers. But you've got to have someone that breaks through, becomes your best player, sets an example, Rodney Magruder or Barry Browns it for everyone to see. And I think it's going to be Nigel Pack. Davion Bradford seems to work on his craft. I mean, he does some things that... At a really high level. I thought it was interesting, Gills, last night when Casey Eziagu, who I'm going to start referring to as Casey uh, Gordon and Luke Gordon. I'm just going to stick with all Gordons and just call them by their first names. Because if you're going to recruit Kasupki and Eziagu, I, I can't deal with this. But he said, we, someone in the media asked him, what have you learned from watching? That Davion Bradford makes everything easy. He doesn't take the hard way. He does the simple things. 
He didn't come to that by some great revelation. He was coached to do that by someone. And he came to K-State with that skill set. Catch ball, dunk ball. That's what he does a lot of times. But for some reason, we've had a string of big men for years. I mean, this isn't a Bruce problem. This has been a chronic problem who can't catch ball. Well, ball, hit hands, drop. I mean, McCall Wien was a great dude, but oh, Lord. I'm not sure his hands weren't literally made of stone. And it's been, you know, Lou Cologne, on and on and on. These guys seem to actually have pretty good hands, and it's it's step one to being a good big man. It's not just about being well, it is about being big. You got to be a big man. It's not just about your size and your strength. If you can't catch the ball, you're not a good rebounder. You're not a good scorer. Nothing. You can't do anything. Maybe you can set picks, which is what we've had at K State. So yeah, I think there's some guys here that really want to get better. Again, I'm putting my faith in that. My answer to uh, the gym rat would actually have to be Antonio Gordon. Uh, and simply the fact that he was starting before his COVID issue. I mean, let's be real. Gordon's not that good of a player. The fact that he was starting that Bruce Weber probably saw him in the gym a lot and he was probably working hard. So uh, not saying he should or shouldn't be there, but uh, the fact that he was in there as much as he has been before his COVID issues, I, 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 pretty telling that he was probably working hard. He tries so hard. He he just tries so hard, but that gets him into trouble at times, doesn't it? It's like, what are you doing? And other times it's like, oh, that's a nice play. It sounded like he had a couple nice scores on, on putbacks last night. So, you know, I I hope it is him. Unfortunately, it just it doesn't it can't be Austin Budke. You know, it 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 just can't. And it probably can't be Antonio Gordon. It has to be one of the guys, unless Antonio actually develops into that, becomes a really active four, develops that outside shot. He's actually got a better shot than Dejuan Gordon from the outside, but he takes it less now because it doesn't go in as much as it should. As he learns his game and develops, maybe Antonio will be pretty special, but I don't think he'll ever be a Barry Rodney, all Big 12 type guy. I just don't think that's there. That's that's the land of Davion and Nigel, bluntly put. And, you know, maybe Selton Miguel gets there, but he's so raw. Learn to dribble the ball. Learn to use your left hand. You're a Big 12 basketball player. I mean, you could take 30 minutes, 20 minutes after every practice and do ball handling drills, up and down, between the legs, whatever. Yeah, being a great ball handler and a great passer is a lot cooler than being able to shoot three-pointers. I mean, that's tougher. So, I, I... I want I want the gym rats. Bring on the gym rats. Last question of the first staff from Riley Gates. Ooh. Is there a reason fans seem to be more open to giving these young hoops freshmen more time to develop to the college level, but Will Howard gets thrown into a QB1 role in the Big 12 as a freshman, and he's expected to lead K-State to success. It seems to be two different grading scales. And what's weird about it is Will Howard wasn't recruited to play. Right away. These guys were. They were literally recruited to be the team. That's probably just expectations of the program. We expect more from K-State football than K-State basketball, which is kind of weird. Because we've been told it's about the championships on the basketball side, why we can't have a new coach because he's won two championships in now nine years. I'm going to count this. I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not winning the Big 12 championship this year. Okay? So, 
that people just have such lowered expectations. They've settled. They've settled. They expect this. And this, this is worse than Asbury and Aldridge, and the numbers back it up, unless they have a surge at the end. This is unprecedented. So I think it's about expectations, and I just think K-State should expect more. The only thing I would I would say is Howard struggled to throw a spiral. Howard Howard really struggled in some fundamental things that a quarterback should be able to do. And I'm not saying that he should be able to perform at a high level because he's just a freshman. I, I get that side of it, Riley. I do. But, you know, Nigel Pack can hit the open three. Davion can use his hands and, and dunk the ball. So that's, I guess, there's a little bit of discrepancy there between the football and basketball players. But overall, I think if you're going to criticize one, you've got to criticize the other. It is a good point. I just find it interesting that the culture of basketball is, well, Dejuan has a sprained ankle, and this guy has an injured back, and this guy has this and that. And that's not just Bruce. Coaches talk about that stuff. But in football, you literally can't talk about, Will Howard has a bad shoulder because someone will go after that shoulder. You know, you don't you don't see guys on the basketball court saying, ooh, Dejuan has a bad ankle. I'm going to step on his foot. It's just the different cultures and the types of football. I, I'm convinced Will Howard was beaten up and had some shoulder problems by the season's end, but you can't bring it up. You can't mention it because then you put a big target on that injury for the opposition. Contact sport. There we go. <laughs> just like my sport of volleyball. Just hit him in the face with the ball. Be mean. Uh, well, I, I think I was a little bit cranky and wound up in this half. In this second half, we're going to talk more about Bruce Weber and the state of Kansas State basketball. I might go to the fridge during this break. I'll be back. The Power Cat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. 
Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We are the team from GoPowerCat.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gilbert. Our segment sponsors are Tanners in the High Low. Get to Aggieville as soon as you can and do Aggieville things. Eat, drink, and be hairy. I don't know. I don't. You don't really need to be merry. Be Shaka Smart, which is hairy. It just bothers me. Why didn't he grow hair earlier? He's a better coach with hair. Okay, they got better players. That might have something to do with it. But I think it's the hair. He's better with hair. Hmm. Let's hear some more stuff about K-State basketball. Zach, take it away. From KNED, how bad of a sign is it that actually trying Bruce can't post better results than apathetic Asbury? That's really actually a pretty good point. Yeah, um, the Tom Asbury thing was just so unfortunate. And I I don't know if people realize this, but he had a daughter die in the time between Pepperdine and Kansas State. And and it, I, I don't think Tom was the same after that. Um, so, uh, yeah, he was really mailing it in at the end. And Jim Oldridge was trying, but... Jim was just under-equipped for the job. He should have never been hired. But, yeah, if K-State uh, doesn't win another game, this was a stat dug up by basketball analyst Jay Heidrich, doesn't win another Big 12 game, and they get them all in. That's the problem with the math here is what games are you going to play? Most years you play 18. Or are they going to get all 18 in? They're already short one with Iowa State. But if they go winless, even though two years ago, was a 14 and 4 Big 12 championship season. Even with that calculated in, this will be the worst 3 years of conference play in the modern era since World War II. Even Jack Hartman, who struggled his last 3 years, will have a better record. It, it still is better, in, you know, percentage-wise. Numbers are different cuz you play different number of games in conference play, but it was still below 40% winning, but it was better than Asbury and Woldridge. But this will be the worst of them all if they go winless. And it'll be still in between Asbury and Woldridge if they win another game. Why is this even a conversation? Uh, I mean, this. If you look at things right now, would this team be winning without COVID, without the pandemic? Now, I think they. They might have won some of those earlier games, but they're so far behind in Big 12 play. I mean, TCU kind of, they won by, what, nine in Bramlage, but it wasn't competitive. Maybe that game's competitive. But it's not going to close up a 26-point gap with Oklahoma, 30 with Baylor. Really, it was 20-plus with Texas, despite, you know, what the final score shows. It might solve 10 of that. You know, they're just so far behind. Now, I don't this is historically awful, and I don't see any any sign that it'll change after this year. I just I think there's going to be another year, and I've been telling people that. If I really thought a change could happen, maybe I would invest more in, in thinking about a change, but I'm not really thinking about winning the lottery. I still invest in it, but... Can you call it an investment if you don't get any return? Oh, bro, that's just a that's just a purchase. Oh, dude, I got so much return on my last. Uh, let's see, I 
I uh, bought $40 of tickets and because I'm playing both the Mega Millions and Powerball because I have not eliminated the idea of winning both simultaneously because I got to have some good luck. Um, but I got $10 back. That is a hell of a return on that $40 investment. I made $10 off those ticket purchases. I matched a freaking Powerball. It's like sniffing victory. I, I don't know what... I don't think that's making money, Fitz. Huh. Huh. Maybe there's a reason why I'm in debt. Huh. Next question is from WTDD2001. No, excuse me. I skipped one. Oh! We're, going, we're going back to K-Ned. Oh. Wow. Oh. Sorry. Back to K-Ned. My, folks, I, I feel bad that I've criticized anyone about coaching. My lineup is performing poorly. Back to K-Ned. Given how historic the losing is, please define in January 2021 what Bruce Weber must ultimately achieve with this group of players that is worth letting him coach through this. Another largely... Is it perhaps another largely meaningless conference title with a first-round flameout? Oh, it's not, it's not even that high. I mean, I I think that the standard being so low right now, and see, Kenneth, I love the question, but it doesn't matter what I think or Gil Sink or Zach Sink. What does Gene Taylor and General Richard Myers think? That's all that matters, and they they're not going to give. No good leader is going to say, well, he either does this or he's out because you just don't put yourself in that position. But sadly, it's so bad. Six and 12 sounds pretty damn good. And ninth place, maybe eighth place. Whoa. Oh, dreams can't come true. See, I've been a believer. Again, I'm going to repeat it. If you burned down my house, you better get it rebuilt. So, no. Six wins and the conference doesn't get it for me. Can you get give me over five hundred? Because that's the program you took over. I mean, is it too much to ask for the standard in which you inherited, which is a program that was performing at or above five hundred in conference play? Is average too much to ask? Average is too much to ask. We should settle instead of for nine wins. Six, seven, oh, eight, oh, eight, and a trip to Dayton. Beautiful. Been there, done that. It led to a Big 12 title and Elite Eight. I'm not sure K-Staters are so invested that next year being eight and 10 and a trip to the first four in Dayton is going to satisfy them, even if they know a, a title's on the way. Because who says that the next coach might inherit these players and win a title? It's not like that's unprecedented at Kansas State, is it? The thing is, though, Fitz, when you go back four years, if you want to divide everything, the wins and the losses together, it basically is average. K-State is average. It's just you have really high highs and you have really low lows. It's very volatile on what your season might be. You could be really good. You could be really bad. And I guess to Gene Taylor and K-State – that is average, it's and that's average. good enough. It's below average now. And it's yeah, yeah it's below average. Yeah, it's below average now. But the, a chance at a conference title twice in nine years or twice in 10 or 11 years, because I don't see them winning one in the next two years, 
I mean, at what point do you run out of titles for the number of years that Bruce Weber's been here and throw in the number of bad seasons he's had? At what point does the math just say, you know what, we're going to be better off if we move on? Because, yeah, COVID's a problem this year. You can't have fans in there, but fans are less engaged. And why would you be a fan and engage with this product? So, you know, maybe maybe K-State moving that Stanford game to Dallas. Excuse me, Arlington, yo mama. <laughs> uh, moving it to Arlington, making that $2.2 million. Hey, I know that the, the athletic department is much more financially strapped than just being able to say, hey, move a football game to pay Bruce Weber's buyout. Is it outside of the realm oh. of possibility? Hmm. Is it really outside the realm of possibility that, hey, we can raise some cash and we can make a change? Hey, I, Zach, you're a, you're a racing guy, a Formula One guy. Let's say I you thought own... Gonna, I thought you were going to say something else. Let's say you... Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> own your own Formula One team and you're financing it, you know, and I don't know, maybe they all get wealthy doing it. I'm not sure. But you hire Gills to be your driver. <clears throat> um, and that seems like a sketchy move to start with, but that let's set that aside. I mean, that's not a good I've decision. I've got a lot of experience driving pizzas. I would like to throw that out there, but go on. There you go. So okay. Gills is driving uh, the Pizza Hut Formula One vehicle. <laughs> okay. So we've tied it all together now. <laughs> okay. Uh, but every fifth race... He wins. But every four out of five races, he totals your car because he, he's just not paying attention enough. And you got to rebuild the damn car over and over and over. But he wins every fifth race. You get a hold up a trophy and, and the hot girl sprays you with champagne, which who doesn't want that? Now you spray yourself with the champagne. Oh, that seems disappointing. It seems, seems like my... Never mind. Um, is, it, is it bad that I'm actually thinking about the math on if this could actually work? No, it's, because because it's kind of what. <laughs> because yeah, the, the, you're right though that that why why go out and crash four times and maybe you get a win the fifth time? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's expensive to do that, but it's fun to think about in a Formula One way. So the, that would actually so work, the supermodel from. Uh, Lithuania or wherever the Formula One races, I don't even know. Uh, okay. Doesn't spray you with the champagne? Just they hand you the champagne? Of, they don't have girls there anymore. Because it's sexist? Yeah. They well, got rid of those was, a few years ago. That was part of the good part of the sport. Huh. Yeah. Well, whatever. You're weird. Now, is my other driver winning races? Is Because you have two. You have to have two cars. Is he getting points? Well, his his driver, uh, that guy got injured uh, in, at the race in, uh, against the Lubbock team. And um, uh, the, the rookie driver had to go in and uh, lost badly five times in a row. But he brings the car home safe? For the most part, yeah. Okay. Some of the pit crew transferred. They went into the pit, co- pit crew transfer portal. <laughs> and they, they've now moved from Formula One to like, uh-huh. what is it, AARC, whatever that. So, but they're really good at that level. Well, we are on. Uh, a, yeah, I'm in a, on a tangent. I'm, I'm way down the rabbit hole now. The rabbit's uh, like, dude, get out of here. This doesn't make sense. From WTDD 2001, 
finally, is Bruce's fate entirely in the hands of the big money donors? Oh, well, I was going to have Gil's answer. This is probably uh, – that's true of every place, man. That's that's so true. <sighs> Us plebes don't get to have much say. Because at the end of the day, the money donors, if they're not happy, they don't donate as much. If they are happy, they donate. If they're really unhappy, they donate to get rid of the coach. It, I, that's why I couldn't be an AD. Now, maybe at K-State, it's easier because um, the Jack Veneers and Carl Ices that we've had be our big money guys might have feelings and might have opinions, but their love of K-State isn't based on that. You could go contrary to what they think should happen, but they're not going to burn it down and say, I'm I'm not giving any more money. I mean, that's clearly true, was true of Pickens at OSU. He had or had to have his way or... You know, it, he wasn't going to be given the same amount of money, which for him was like instead of ten million, I'm you know only going to get five or hundred million and fifty. Um, but yeah, it's true everywhere. It's true at Kansas State, and Bruce Weber has survived in this industry for a lot of years because one, he is a really really likable guy. Socially awkward, sure, sure, but you know we all have friends like that. We have. We're friends with Gills. I mean, for God's sakes. Um, Gills is not socially awkward, by the way. Am I? I don't think so. Maybe mm-hmm. you are. But um, he's really likable, and he's smart enough and a veteran enough to know that I'm going to be friends with those people. So, yeah, in some way. You're asking Gene Taylor, who also probably considers Bruce a friend, to fire someone that all of his people that really control the purse strings around him is also friends with. You know, it's juggling chainsaws. You don't get it right, you chop off your own hand. And trust me, nobody wants anything chopped off. The problem with K-State is there's not enough hands. Mm -hmm. There's like two hands. Right. In Oklahoma State, you have T Boone. You had T Boone, but and he was one hand, but he was a giant hand. Carl Ice is not a giant hand. You know, he's a much smaller hand. There's there's equivalent sized hands. We just don't know their names because it just hasn't worked out that way. There's but, Carl Ice doesn't have an Ernie Barrett statue hand. <laughs> To hand money out. We wish he did, but I mean, that's just K-State. Yeah. You don't have the donor depth chart, so to speak. Of Kansas. That, and if somebody just pops up out of the blue, says $10 million, here, Gene, get rid of Bruce, you know, blank check. Go get Brad Underwood, whoever, you know, we'll get to, we'll get to potential hires with some later questions. But until you get one of those or until you know, Carl Ice or whoever else, the veneers or, you know, literally if there's enough money, whoever else pops up, it's going to take until that moment uh, before Bruce is, is gone. And I think I, I, realistically, I think that it's going to be easier to convince Bruce to retire. So you don't have to pay his buyout. I think that we're kind of stuck and, COVID saved him last year, I think, a little bit. COVID saved him this year. And who knows what 
excuses could come next year if we're seeing a similar performance or even if it's six and 12 that's oh god don't book a preseason tournament in hawaii don't do it don't. no no i just i i don't know how else you can get rid of him unless the fan base is completely not spending money on anything, even football. You know, if if K-State fans after this year are completely disengaged by the product and they don't come back next year when hopefully fans can return, and if this team doesn't turn it around, I don't see how you can keep them. You're going to have to make a change because at the end of the day, it's a math problem. How much money are you bringing in versus the product that you're putting out on the floor? It's not Texas. And if your product cannot get you to the places that can get you more money, like the NCAA tournament, well, it's time time to move on to somebody else. To go back to the main point, look what happened with football in the first game of the season. I mean, with the, with the donors and everything, money talks. So definitely, you know, his his fate, I think there's a big impact on that. From Gerth Brooks, we all know the answer to who we want to lead the basketball program moving forward, but that ship has already set sail. So who is the right guy? And Jedediah adds in, realistically, who is the ideal next basketball coach at K-State? Um, I have thought about this a lot. Okay, I'm going to tell a story now that I don't tell as a bragging. I tell it really out of frustration. I literally had someone ask me this question, and it was John Curry. If I was going to fire Bruce, who would you hire? And I appreciate him asking me that. I And I, I gave him my answer. Um, and this was after Underwood was off the table. Uh, you know, and he'd gone to Illinois. So I said, hey, it'd be, it'd be Steve Forbes. I uh, I mean, I followed him. I met him when he was at Wichita State. Um, you know, just in passing, but I, we sat next to each other watching the when I was covering K-State, when Wichita State, everyone was in St. Louis for the first and second round. So it was in passing. It's not like we bonded or had beers or or anything like that, but you, you get a vibe off someone. But mostly my, my uh, background with him is because of my friend Jay Heidrich, who is a good friend and now basketball analyst. And Steve Forbes coached Barton County Community College when he was really young. Jay Heidrich played for him. So this isn't like they, I mean, he's literally played basketball for the guy before he transferred to K-State. And so he's followed him through his career. And it was quite clear to me that Steve Forbes real deal. And he fit K-State. I would still probably make a run at him because I also suspect that, Going to work for John Curry at Wake Forest, see? That that was a successful piece of advice, Fitz. <laughs> yeah. You get to mark that one down. <laughs> uh, I, I can't imagine that was ideal for him, but he knew it was probably time to make a move because, you know, if you start losing at East Tennessee State, you don't, you don't your window closes. I mean, the same happened to to Coach Lowry. He was rolling at Southern Illinois, didn't make the move, decided to stay, and the team stopped performing and his window closed. And you know, Chris was doing really well as a head coach, and then it stopped. So you, this kind of lesson there. You got to go eventually. If you really want to go, you got to go. 
because winning is hard to do no matter what level. I would still probably make a run at him, still see what happens, because winning at Wake Forest in the ACC right now, when you got Duke and North Carolina, I mean, right in your backyard. I mean, can you imagine having uh, Kansas and then in Salina was another top five, top ten program? I mean, that would just be un- un- unbelievable to try to build with. So, uh, but Chris Jans, who is flawed and had some issues, is another really good coach winning at North New Mexico State. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you can, you can go through a bunch of different people. I have someone that I I really like, but I'm not going to throw it out there right now. Um, we'll just see. It's it's not a good year to evaluate a coach either. I mean, if someone gets to the NCAA tournament and gets a free weekend in Indianapolis, does that mean they're a great coach this year? I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. I probably would throw open the door more to assistant coaches and associate head coaches more now than ever before and look around for people you might know or programs that might have success. Don't worry about the tree. Don't worry about actually knowing who they are. Let's dig down and find someone. I'd much rather take a chance on someone completely unproven in basketball than football. Because you can put an associate head coach with them that might really know X's and O's. And I don't know. Basketball coaches are more of a figurehead. Football coaches got it. You've got to be the smartest guy in the room in football. I believe that. Yeah, I don't know. Like after last year, I don't know who would would have been the best hire. Probably Steve Forbes. But I feel like the last couple of years, you look at the coaching market for K-State, if that's what you're looking for, and you're like, well, I don't really know who would be the best fit at this point. You know, everybody you want is gone and tied up, and you're kind of left with these unproven guys that also don't necessarily have any ties to K-State, which – you know, a lot of times, yes, you're going to have to go outside of, you know, any sort of relationship or, you know, coaching tree, whatever. But that is something that, you know, you can at least look at. And there's some hope, I guess. You know, when you think about Brent Venables for football, him coming back to his alma mater, that would be cool to see. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't going to happen. But there, there's no guy in basketball like that right now. Maybe Steve Henson. But there's no guy now that, that Brad Underwood's off the table that you look at and say, hey, that's, that's the guy we want and we can afford and will come and, and move to Manhattan to coach K-State. I don't even know how Coach Henson's doing right now. He's hmm. still at UTSA, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, like I said, I'm – Yeah. Oh, well. I'm, I Hold on. I You know, I'm just going to say it. I, I wasn't going to say who I really – like and want it, but I, I'm going to say it because this goes with how I was thinking. If you're going to roll the dice on someone, uh, because I and I started looking around the assistant coaches in the Big 12, and there's some guys that maybe, but the guy that I just keep coming back to that I feel like culturally is a good fit, understands K-State basketball, understands uh, recruiting in, in places like Kansas City and St. Louis and another area where K-State's had some recent success. Baltimore, who's a young guy that's on the rise, is Kim English. It's a former Missouri player. Get over it. He's with Rick Barnes at Tennessee now. He's been with Frank Haith in Tulsa, former head coach, uh, his former head coach. And then he went out to Colorado with Tad Boyle. 
I was with with Coach Barnes, and everyone recognizes him as being brilliant, but he's 32. Is that too young? I don't think so. I mean, Lincoln Riley wasn't too young for football, and that's a bigger gamble. They had him on staff. They understood who he was, and, and you know, they had more information. I love Kim English. He's a good person. Everything about him seems like he's a good coach. He was a hell of a competitor. Go find a, a experienced head coach to sit at his side and two badass recruiters, and let's go. I mean, how how absurd is that thought compared to Doug Gottlieb? I mean, some of you were really upset Casey didn't hire Doug freaking Gottlieb and got an experienced coach in Bruce Weber. Doug Gottlieb. So I guess when I come down to it, I'm not embarrassed to say I would love Kim English to be the head basketball coach at Kansas State if the job comes open. I'm not going to campaign for him. Been there, done that, and was roundly insulted for years for it. But, you know, if that comes open, I, he will be on the hot board. Let's put it that way. Pretty sure Kim English, back when he was a player, he said that K-State was either one of his favorite places to play or the fans were the nicest to him. Yep. Because he always got along, I think, after the game. He's a good guy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fans around the conference just appreciated uh, his competitiveness because it wasn't like uh, – I don't know. I mean, sometimes a really competitive guy comes off as a jerk, but Kim was never that way. And and I think Nigel Pack will be kind of respected in the same way as a competitor that isn't a jerk. Yeah. From claws out, balls out, does it pay to cheat in NCAA sports? The penalties don't seem enough to deter it. Uh, and if you're, hey, if you're not cheating, you're not trying seems appropriate in this day and age. It absolutely pays. And until the NCAA puts it foot puts it foot down and makes an example of a Kansas or someone like that, it always will be. There's way more upside. Tennessee football just apparently turned in a bunch of violations, probably so they could not pay Jeremy Pruitt his buyout. Yeah. But I mean, it's just so blatant. They're supposedly putting money in McDonald's bags. Here's your happy best. meal and a thousand dollars. That's the best part of the story. I remember. Um, Brett Regan and I, when we went to West Virginia one of the first times and stayed at a historic downtown hotel that had a cool bar on the upstairs, we're sitting there with the bartender, and he said, uh, yeah, it's just not the same. Football isn't the same anymore because this, when uh, football was really rolling here, this is where on Friday night the players would come to get their money from the alumni. <laughs> it was that open. The bartender knew it was going on. So, yeah, yeah. And this is always my comparison. This is this is always my analogy for bending the rules in basketball. Just bending. What is the speed limit on the interstate highway now, Zach? 75 in Kansas, very least. So if you go 72 so you don't exceed the limit, are you getting passed? You're a moron if you're going 72. If you set your cruise control at 82, do you get pulled over or do you go past a bunch of people and get there quickly without really getting penalized? Yes. That's basketball. That's football. Go yeah. 82. We're, we're doing 72 in the right lane. And, you know, it's the tortoise and hare thing over the long haul, over five years or four years, we win a Big 12 title. You no, know, we're exhausted from that and then losing the first round of the tournament. But 
yeah, you get somewhere. It just is a lot more difficult than it needs to be for you. Go use the rules to your advantage the best way possible. Now, the problem here isn't that people are going 82. It's that Kansas is in the left lane doing 105 and nobody stops them. We all know what's happening. I mean, if you really drill down with KU fans, they know it. They don't want to admit it, but they know it. Of course it's happening. How do you not know what's happening when the parking lot out behind your storied field house has got great cars in it driven by players from impoverished, impoverished backgrounds? How the hell does that happen? So it's happening. I don't just Just do whatever you can. The rules aren't black and white. Exist in the gray. It can be light gray. I'd prefer medium gray. There's a lot of dark grays out there that do some stuff. We lived in the dark gray here. Got some great players. You know, stuff going on that you're not directly tied to. Okay. Uh, It's it's exhausting because it should be the speed limit's 75, and that's you go 76, we're going to come and slap your knuckles. But it's not that way. It's 82, and you're all right. And if you're the right Right car with the right driver, 105 is just cool with us, too. Have fun. You're going to get it way ahead of everyone else. Last question of the podcast from KNED. Last week, you mocked any pushback over moving the Stanford game with arguments like losing an eighth game you never had, and they won't have to raise season ticket prices that won't go down, guaranteed the baseline of seven home games. Yet you openly report the Mizzou game will probably get moved, which would cause home games, would result in six home games. And as you pointed out, the athletic department would still charge for seven. Are you for or against moving the Mizzou game now that the Stanford opportunity presented itself? Did I ever say I was for it? I just said it was going to happen. I didn't say I was for it. No, I don't, I don't want even think we said it. I don't even think we said it was going to happen. We said it could. Yeah, I never might, said I support not, that. I don't support that. Don't put words in my mouth. Just because I mentioned something might happen means I endorse it. What the hell? No, I don't want games moved to Kansas City. Now, if this was like a bonus game, like uh, you could play 13, which would be ridiculous. Yeah, play Missouri and Kansas City. If... if you know, financially, if if you get the home gate one year and they get the other, I get it. But no, I don't. I don't want the local businesses to lose out on a seventh game. I don't want that. You can't just say you mentioned the eighth game. That's an important part of this metric. <laughs> that's that's really critical. People would be bitching if they had to pay for an eighth home game. Now they don't have to pay for it. They're bitching. I, I'm not overwhelmed by moving this game to Arlington. Would I prefer it to be in Manhattan? But $2 million, it's not like it's a financial wash. And I understand I'm worried about local businesses, but it's not K-State Athletics' job to come to the savior, be the savior of local business. Just don't harm them by having fewer than seven. That's kind of the deal we've got here. Going to play seven at home. You know, it, it's only a 50,000-seat stadium, so the the idea that people come and pay more for a Stanford game, well, I understand it's probably true because it's human nature, but 
still 50,000 seats. It should have roughly the same economic impact home. Really, the kickoff is more important. The one thing I think athletics could do is any game that they have any control over the kickoff time should be a mid-afternoon game between 2 and 3.30. You get the morning lunch crowd. You get the evening post-game crowd. Everyone really benefits in Manhattan from that. But no, I'm for seven games at home. I'm just saying Missouri might happen. I don't think it'll happen because Arrowhead seems to have backed away. The Hunt family seems to have backed away from trying to host these games. Jerry Jones is nuts. If he wants to pay someone $2.8 million or whatever it is to move a home game, yeah, people are going to move the home game. Take the money and run. You still get your seven home games. Those all are part of the equation. It's like taking the plus sign out of any equation. Well, then the equation doesn't make sense to me. I'm all in. But no, I want seven games at home. Absolutely. I mean, it's not like a financial disaster for games in Kansas City. It's not a great hardship against the whole fan base that they have to drive to Arlington. I got that right. Arlington. But it does, does still suck for the people in Western Kansas to now tack on two more hours. But I, I want seven at home. I absolutely want seven at home. I got friends in this in this town whose whole livelihoods are in peril right now because of what's been taking place. And I know how important each one of those home games is. Each one of those home games. The same way I realize how important fake Patty's Day is and why I fought for that. And will continue to fight for that. And continue to say that the city screwed up its own economy over some kind of weird weird words. This is just so unfortunate. People are drinking. People are having an Irish party, which they have all over the country. So, no, I'm all for helping business. Hell, I'm the supporter of fake a ween and the fake of July. Fake them all, man. If the bar owners can make lots of money, close off the streets, have the cops be friendly and look out for people instead of trying to disrupt the fun, Treat uh, the bars in Aggieville the same you do in downtown. If they're way too crowded, thin them out, but don't enforce some absurd number that you don't enforce other places. Yeah, I'm all for it. I support local business. That's why I was president of Aggieville Business Association. It wasn't because of all the perks and the travel budget and the bribes. God, I wish I had got some bribes. That'd been awesome. Man. No, it was about arguing with the police in in open public meetings, which isn't fun. It isn't fun. So now, don't don't say I'm not supporting local business. That's just ridiculous. Seven home games is the deal. I like to stick with it. But the eighth game going to Arlington? Come on, man! It it really makes a lot of sense here. And there, there's only going to be one, when I was looking at the schedule last, the two-lane game in 2024, that's the only even year, the even years where you get your, your five road games in Big 12 conference play. That's the only year in the next 15 that will have six home games on the schedule. Now, I don't yeah. think there's any that have eight, but it would be nice to see an average of seven. And right now, the way it's going to look, it's going to dip down. So maybe they'll they'll fix a game or they'll trade a game out somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised 
half of these future games get canceled anyway. Because well, they were scheduled so far out in, in advance, and they were they weren't thought out very well that they decided to just call off the game. I mean, the way the Big Twelve schedule set up, if you're going to play five and four, I mean, you only leave yourself room for a non-conference road game every other year when you're at five. So that's what next year is. You would have had eight home games. Now you have seven. So playing a power five home and home, that's all you end up with. And I'm going to admit that that isn't ideal because you end up with two games that I don't care about Eastern Illinois. I mean, Nevada's better, but, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world to me if if uh, just from a scheduling standpoint, not setting the local business argument aside, if you played one out of three in in Reno, it, you know, but I think we all know from listening to this podcast that the chance to play in New Orleans, like Las Vegas, will always win with fits. I hope I'm around to go to that. And Gills, I promise you, and Zach maybe too, I don't know how long you'll put up with me. Gills, maybe you. I promise you, by the time K-State goes to New Orleans in 2024, I got three years, three plus years. I'm going to get down at least another 80 pounds. So when you have to carry me back to the hotel room, I'll be easier to manage. That's my plan. Sounds like a plan. Gilles, how do you feel about any of this? Yeah, I mean, I good discussion overall, man. I, I'm a, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, for someone who just looks at it and sees that a game gets moved to Texas, you're going to be frustrated, but there's a lot of money involved. And especially with you bring up a great point, the season tickets. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. You sound like Fitz was a professor in a Zoom Zoom call and you just got called on to answer. I feel like I was on a discussion (laughs) board and I had to give a positive comment to someone's work. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Give feedback it. on everybody. Yes, those. Uh, this you made some really good points. I agree with everything you said. <laughs> Full credit. Ten out of ten points. Yes, that's I, how it is with with Zoom University. Just awful. Just trying to learn via Zoom because you end up with a professor like me, one that won't shut up. Just pontificates, right, Professor Keister? I don't know. Does Dan, <laughs> does Dan do that? I'm not sure. Uh, is that it, Zach? That's it. Wow. That was it. That was a long one. Like again. Five hours. I know. Well, we went long again. I I guess I guess I've got my caffeine dosage figured out. That's it for the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 